Guys, I'm bringing the party to you. Samsonite. I was way off. Hold on to your butts. I'm not even mad. That's amazing. Great to have you on the Stephen Corson Show, where we like to talk about money, life, and everything else. This show is all about revamping how you think about money and how to use it to live the life that you want. I'm excited you made this show part of your financial journey. So let's get to it. You know, there's a saying that Elon Musk probably uses a whole bunch when he's talking about SpaceX. It's another saying that they use a whole bunch when they're talking about crypto and investments coming up, and that is to the moon. Well, guess what? We could unbelievably say the exact same thing about the housing market over the past year. It has been absolutely ridiculous. Housing prices are skyrocketing. And what people want to know is, will there be a crash? And that is what we're going to be talking about on today's episode. So the big question is, like I said, the average home has been skyrocketing since the pandemic. Uh, If you have just done a quick search on Zillow, uh, been walking around your neighborhood and seen any for sale signs, you've probably walked over, grabbed one of those pieces of paper out of it and looked at it and go, what? How are these people that live three houses down that have a house smaller than I do selling their home for way more than what mine is, right? Like, you know, it it's just getting a little insane. So are we in for another crash like what we uh, went through in 2008 uh, when everything just absolutely plummeted? Uh, it was a financial ruin, major crisis on our hands. Is that where things are going? Well, in order to be able to tell whether or not that's happening, we really have to understand why things are continuing to skyrocket. There's this massive frenzy. Uh, my brother is in real estate. I have friends that are in real estate. They are putting offers on houses the day that they are listed, and they're putting them for over asking price. And a lot of the times they're still getting turned down. People are waiving um, all different kinds of uh, you know, terms and agreements, inspection notices, like all these different things. So why, it's just absolutely insane. So have we not learned our lesson? Is this time different? If so, why? Well, we've really got to understand how we got here and how we got here is very different than how we got here in the uh, in the market crash of 2008. So let's get into that a little bit. You know, so one of the big things that's happened, the pandemic, um, housing prices were already going up at a pretty decent rate before the pandemic happened. But when the pandemic happened, it got even worse. So why would, you know, COVID-19 have such an impact on whether or not the price of your home is going to skyrocket or not? Well, the reason for it has to do with classic economics, right? We're talking about, you know, supply and demand. I know a lot of you probably fell asleep during that class. Totally understand. Not the most exciting stuff when you're just looking at it in a textbook. But when you look at it in the real world, it's actually pretty cool. And for those of you that, you know, may not necessarily get what I'm saying, you know, when I'm talking about supply and demand, a very quick example would be like, if there's 10 people out there uh, that want to buy, um, you know, a new Nintendo, and I have five Nintendos. Well, that means one of two of those people are going to be able to buy a Nintendo. So they know their chances of getting one are pretty good. Therefore, they're not going to pay much more than, I don't know what they're going for nowadays, 300 bucks 
uh, for that, right? Because they know, hey, I got a one or two chance of getting it, you know, compared to the rest of these people, it's pretty good. But if I reduce it and now there's only two Nintendos and there's 10 people that want to buy it, well, now all of a sudden you might be, if you really want it, you might be willing to pay a little bit more than $300 for it. You might pay $350 because of scarcity. There's not enough supply. And therefore that drives the price up. More people will be willing to, to get it. Um, so that's that's what has to do. And interestingly enough, if you didn't know if you have a diamond ring or diamond earrings, anything like that, um, the number one purchaser of diamonds in the world is actually diamond firms like De Beers and some of these other companies because there are so many diamonds that get out to market that if they don't control the supply of diamonds out there, then it will completely devalue them. So they actually end up buying a whole bunch of diamonds, storing them away in these safes and never releasing them into the market in order to drive the price of a carrot up. So there's a lot of really interesting supply and demand things um, that are that are taking place in the housing market. And we'll talk about how the pandemic has affected that. So one of the big things is that more people are wanting to buy a house and there's not a lot of people selling them. So that's why the offers are getting crazy. So one thing that all of us are extremely aware of is that big cities were shut down. And they have been for months. I just recently spoke uh, to some people that I work with that were in um, Washington, D.C. Things opened up like a month ago in, in like barely. Uh, spoke to a friend of mine that was in Philadelphia about two months ago. Their kids just went back to school. I live in Florida, so things have been relatively open down here. We've been really fortunate from that, that, you know, by opening, it didn't really cause much of a difference in, uh, you know, COVID cases and deaths. So we've been really fortunate, you know, to see that we were able to actually do both. But there's people who have still been locked in and they just don't want to deal with it anymore. I mean, living in an apartment in Chicago isn't, you know, downtown Chicago isn't particularly appealing if you can't go do anything in Chicago. It's just a recipe for cabin fever is what it is. So a lot of people are really considering leaving the bigger cities, moving out to the suburbs of where they live, or just completely going, hey, we're going to go somewhere. I know somebody who actually picked up and moved to Idaho. Just, hey, we want to be somewhere where there's land. There's not a lot of other people. As long as there's internet out there, I can keep my job. Boom, went out and moved out there. Uh, I know somebody who went up to Maine for three months, just moved to Maine, um, and said, hey, you know, going to eat some lobster, live up here where it's a little more remote and give it a shot. That's one of the the amazing things about the internet and technology nowadays is a lot of people are able to do that. So lots of people are just looking to leave these big cities, millions and millions of people leaving cities like New York, leaving cities like San Francisco, L.A., and they are looking for more space. Um, you know, they don't they don't want to deal with it anymore. So now, and they can keep their job. So hey, they don't even have to like upend too much. So that's one of the things that's really having a big impact on this is you have this mass exodus of people leaving these big cities and heading to more rural communities. I mean, I live in Gainesville, Florida, right? This is not a destination city. We're not on a coast. You normally need to have a reason to come here if you're going to move here. And we have people in my neighborhood who have moved here from California, who have moved here from Chicago, uh, that are building homes from other big cities. And they're just coming here because we have space and the housing isn't that expensive. I mean, it's unbelievable all the different places that this is having an impact on. 
So that's uh, one of one of it. So you know, it, it, this is driving the price up almost anywhere you go. There's not really a place in the U.S. where you can really go in and see, oh wow, housing prices are depreciating. No, it's it's just insane. People aren't selling their homes, and there's more than ever out there that are looking to buy, and it's just driving the price up. So as gravity likes to say, what goes up must come down. So when is this coming down? Because that is definitely true when it comes to valuations and literally anything. We know that the housing market is going to correct. That is an obvious fact. The questions are really more, when is that going to happen? And by how much is that going to happen? How bad is the correction actually going to be? And nobody knows this for sure, but there's a lot of experts out there that have some pretty solid reasonings behind it because housing isn't like a stock or like a lot of other investments. It doesn't move particularly quickly, mainly because you can't make more of it very fast. We're actually building a home right now Signed for it back in December. Five months later, we still haven't broken ground, right? Once they start building it, it's still going to take them another five months to finish it. So we're talking about almost a year from the time that I wanted to build a house to the time I'm actually going to get to move into that house. This is what everybody is facing across the country. They're having a hard time finding workers, supply and demand uh, issues, I mean, uh, or supply chain issues. Like there's a lot of different things. So we're going to get into that in just a second here. Um, but the answer is no. I really don't think we're going to see a housing crash from everything. Um, and just for the record, whenever you're talking about uh, in terms of finances, when you hear the term crash, crash is normally defined as like, you know, 20% or more. Now in housing, that's probably not true. I don't know what it would be in housing. A 20% crash would be like what we did in 2008. Like that was absolutely insane. I would say even a 10% reduction in pricing over a short period of time would probably be considered a crash in real estate. But normally it's something extremely significant like that. It's a big drop off, 5%, 6%. That is not a crash. That would be something that's considered a correction. So no, I do not think that we're going to see a housing crash. I just, I, there's, there's, we have too much of a gap between people who want to buy houses and people who are willing to sell them. And that's not going to open up enough in order to cause this huge curve that we're on to take a big nosedive. What I think and what I'm very confident that we're going to see is probably within the next six months, we are going to see a correction. Um, and maybe not even a correction. It may just be a slowdown. So like right now, property is increasing by three to 4% on a quarterly basis. So if you have a million dollar home, um, then your home is going up $30,000 every quarter. If you have a, uh, you know, I mean, cut it in half, you have a $100,000 apartment, uh, you know, it's going up by 3000, you know, you, you, you get the math. So the point that that's a lot like in stocks, um, you know, in other kinds of investments, that's not a lot of money, but in housing, that's moving really quickly. So what we're probably going to see is more of like a slowdown as we get closer to the end of the year. A lot of the experts I've been reading are, are, are thinking that we'll have appreciation of about 1% because we're still going to have this supply and demand issue. Um, but in 1% appreciation is really good for real estate. That's that's about what you're looking for on a quarterly basis. So again, we're not thinking that it's going to really dip too bad. If anything, they can most of the forecasts that people are saying, they still think the prices of houses will continue to creep up little by little, but we are going to slow down. We have to. 
Um, so here's three reasons why, uh, you know, I really think that this is all going to play out. And this is all set up. It's time. There's a lot of different factors controlling this. So let's get into, um, you know, the top three reasons why I think this is going to happen. The first one is interest rates. Interest rates and what you're borrowing money from the loan uh, or from the bank in order to get your housing loan, um, those are going to go up, guaranteed. The Federal Reserve is the branch of government that is responsible for raising the interest rates. And when they raise the interest rates, what that means is that the banks will raise the interest rates because they are the ones that are giving it up. And they are talking about raising it up, uh, you know, roughly about half a point. Probably they're going to go into this really easy. Um, but they're going to have to take it back up for a lot of different reasons. We have debt that we have to pay off in this country and we can't do it at these interest rates. So they're going to take it up probably about half a point. That means the average loan for where we're at right now will still be under 4%. Now, in the past year and a half, it's been ridiculous. You've been able to get loans at you know 2.85%, 3%, 3.5%. So 4% may seem like a lot, but if you zoom out, and you look at that from a historical perspective, that's ridiculous. 4% is still an amazing rate uh, in order to get a home at. If you can get a loan on anything for 4%, especially for that kind of money, that's that's just absolutely incredible. Normally, we would probably see something closer to like five and a half, six. I mean, there are periods of time, you know, not too long ago that, you know, people were paying 15, 16, 17% on their loans, you know. So the, the, getting 4% on a loan should not scare anybody. But at the end of the day, it is going to be an extra $100, extra $200 that people could have put down on the mortgage of a home, and that will take them out of the market, or that will make them go and search for cheaper houses or in cheaper you know, places to live, um, because that's less money that they can put towards the mortgage. So, so that's one of the big reasons is that interest rates are going to drop or I'm sorry, interest rates are going to increase. And that by itself is going to take a lot of people out of the market. It, it, it just will. Um, so the next one is housing supply. So again, we talked about supply and demand. And right now, ton of people want to buy. Those are the supply and, or I'm sorry, that's the demand. And not a lot of people want to sell. Well, that is going to change in September for one very key reason. And, and there's a small chance it could change before that, but I highly doubt it will. Um, and that is the fact that because of COVID, the government came in and they put a moratorium on evictions. So if you could not pay your mortgage or if you could not pay your rent, you legally could not kick somebody out of your house. So there are people who have been living for the past year or more that are not paying anything to their landowners uh they're not paying anything to the banks uh or to their landlords anything like that and because of that um those landlords or the banks they're, they're going to have a really hard time making up for that loss and when they finally can't kick them out they will but then they'll be a year behind. So what are they gonna do? Well, a lot of them won't have the money in order to be able to pay the bank back. So what they're gonna have to do is they're gonna have to sell the house. And they might go ahead and wanna do that anyway just to take advantage of the market conditions. So when you can finally kick people out you know, that aren't paying, um, then that is something that's really going to end up happening. And even if you have people that aren't paying and you just wanted to kick people out, for instance, and you just can't, well, 
people may want to get, turn around and sell some of these properties for a profit anyway. So they may say, hey, if you're renting, you're going to have to go find a new place to rent um, because I'm looking to sell the house. Maybe they'll sell it to the renters. Who knows? But the point is, there's going to be a lot of things that start coming up to market in September when that moratorium lifts. Uh, the reason they had to do this is because people couldn't go to work. So this was a matter of like, do we face mass homelessness? You know, it, it is a very complicated issue. There was no good answers for it at the end of the day. Somebody was going to get screwed. And in this case, it ended up being the property owners. So, you know, it, it, like I said, it is a very complicated issue. But at the end of the day, it's being lifted in September. And I think that we're going to see a lot of houses hit the market um, because of it. Uh, when that happens. The other big thing is this. By September, we're already starting to see this now, right? Like the unemployment benefits that have happened for COVID are starting to be tapered off. I think something like there's already 20 states that are refusing any more federal government um, you know, grants for unemployment because now we've, we've created a welfare state to where people who are making, I think it's under $48,000 a year, are actually making more on unemployment than they are working. So yeah, why would I go to work if I'm making more money not working? Like that makes zero sense. So a lot of states are actually starting to say, hey, we don't want the money anymore. We need people to get back to work. Like we're, we're trying to open up and people aren't going to work because why would they? We're paying them the same amount to sit at home. I wouldn't. <laughs> if, all right, let's see, let me think about this. Sit at home all day and make the same, if not more versus actually go to a job. Like that's a no brainer. Um, and they had lifted the restrictions saying that you don't have to look for a job. So normally when you're on unemployment, you have to show that you were looking for a job. Well, because of COVID and most of the places you couldn't, you didn't have to do that either. So literally it's free money. It's as free as money will ever get. So states are like, okay, enough is enough. We're opening back up. We need people back at work. We need people to have their jobs again. And that's what they're trying to do. So as you get more people that start to enter back the labor force, um, the construction industry will inevitably start to pick back up. They're short on workers. That will help them. They'll be able to crank out more houses um, that they're able to build. The other thing is supply chains. You know, people that are, um, you know, everybody who's in forestry, people who are in shipping, that are getting all of these materials in order to build new houses, that is all going to pick up and start getting faster. So the labor uh, coming back in as the states reopen across the board, that will really fix a lot of problems as well. And that will speed up the process to build new homes. So housing supply, like I said, come September, it's definitely going to go up. No doubt about that. The last one is one that doesn't get talked about enough. And there's a couple other little factors, but to me, the first two are the, the big ones. But the third one, I think, is a sneaky reason um, that a lot of people haven't paid too much attention to. And this has to do with a poll that I saw recently uh, when I was on LinkedIn. And it's called the Great Resignation. And I thought this was really interesting. So there was a poll that was done asking people uh, about job satisfaction, if they were happy with they were, how did their company, excuse me, how did they feel about their company handling uh, the pandemic? for a lot of different reasons. The reasons were all across the board, but at the end of the day, it came down to something like over 40% said that they will be looking for a new job closer to the end of 2021. So 
and, and there were a lot of different reasons that were given. Some of it were, you know, people were being forced to go back into the office and they didn't want to anymore. They're like, look, I'm doing my job from home. I've been doing fine. You guys have said like, everything's going great. Productivity's good. So why do I need to go back into the office? Some people are saying the exact opposite. Some people want them to go remote and they want to get back into the office. They're like, listen, it's too loud here. I got dogs, cats, kids, goats, whatever. I need to be in an office so I can sit there and focus or I need to go buy a house, but I can't because I can't afford it. You know, whatever the the reason is there's a lot of people that are looking you know so a lot of people quoted mismanagement they just felt management did not do a good job handling um at their job uh handling uh them being remote um hours have been come back there's just a lot a lot of different reasons but over 40 percent half almost half the workforce saying that they are going to be looking for new jobs in 2021 now does that mean all of those people are going to go take new jobs no no it doesn't mean that at all but the fact that there's going to be that many people looking, I mean, one thing about, about uh, you know, <laughs> that COVID has done that you're absolutely starting to see, it, it is just this sense of YOLO, right? You only live once. I mean, people are really, the amount of people that have quit in the pandemic, the amount of people that have quit in the pandemic who have gone off just to start side hustles, um, start a new business, do all these different things. I mean, look at me. I started a podcast, right? I mean, I, I'm even one of them. I was like, well, hey, I got a lot more time on my hands all of a sudden. I'm not you know, doing anything. And after the first couple of months when everybody was at Home Depot and redoing their garage and the shelving and little at-home products, uh, projects, we all got bored. So we had to find different hobbies to do. I decided to stick my face in front of a camera and a microphone and spit some monetary facts at y'all. So, you know, we all had our thing that we ended up doing. But for some people that really came down to their jobs and they're just like, look, I'm done. I'm done. I I don't appreciate the way it's handled. Maybe I maybe they already weren't happy. Maybe they're happier with the way that things are going and then the job wants to change it back again. I mean, who knows? There's there's going to be a lot of this. I mean, to give you an example, one example that was really interesting. I just remembered this. Um, I think it was Goldman Sachs. Uh, Goldman Sachs is an investment bank. If you're if you're going into the banking investment banking world, Goldman Sachs is like like the top of the bar. If you get it, even get a job offer there, you are you know living la vida loca. Like life is good. You were at the top of your game. It is very hard to get a job at Goldman Sachs. Well they had all of these new bankers coming in and look, they, you work your first two years at a job like that and they grind you into the ground. We're talking six day weeks, 90 hours a week, you're working your ass off. You're on call all the time. It's insane. You can make a ton of money, you get promoted, but it is an intense amount of work. Well, it got to the point where it wasn't even worth it. Even this for for over 100 years that this bank has been in existence, the fact that it has been the top tier in in that industry that everybody wants to get to, all of a sudden, the pandemic made people stop and go, is this worth it? Do do I really want to be up until 3 a.m. and then sleeping until 7 a.m. and using God knows how many different types of supplements in order to keep myself awake through meetings the next day only to wake up and do it again. Is this really what I want to be doing? And they started to question whether or not that was a quality of life that they wanted. So what did Goldman Sachs came in and do? They came in and offered them a $50,000 one-time lifestyle bonus. $50,000 bonus for people that are coming out of college. These are not senior 
tenured people. These are people who just graduated. They offered them a $50,000 bonus because they were like, we can't, lose, we can't lose all these people. We can't lose all this talent, right? It is getting crazy. So people are YOLOing. They want new jobs. They want to go start their own things. They've got used to work from home life. Whatever it is, they are going to be resigning. What does that mean? That means that a lot of people are going to be moving to different cities. So they're going to list their houses. Now, it also means that they're going to be a buyer, but means they're more likely to be a seller. And for the ones that are working from, uh, you know, uh, working their jobs, whatever the case is, a lot of them are going to turn around. And again, as they relocate, they're going to go and they're going to sell. So I think that the great resignation, depending on how much that could uh, have an impact at the end of the year, I think that could also open up a lot of um, potential supply in the housing market as well. So that one's a little less concrete than the other ones, but that was a really interesting trend that I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on. I'm really interested to see what uh, ends up happening there. Um, so yeah, so at the end of the day, if you're looking to sell your house like I am in the next few months, um, I have little doubt that you're going to be able to get top dollar for it over the next couple months, probably up until the end of the year. Um, maybe it won't be listed on the, uh, the market for two days. I don't think that's a bad thing, but uh, you should be able to turn around and sell it pretty quick. We're not going to be up to speed yet by the end of the year. Uh, we just can't build houses that quickly. And then if you're in the market to buy, um, just know that it's going to remain competitive for quite some time. Uh, you're still going to have, if, if you want to buy something in the next couple months, you're going to have to get there the day of or the day after. You're going to have to put in an aggressive offer, probably going to have to be above list. You're probably going to have to waive a, a lot of you know conditions that you normally wouldn't have to. Um, but if you do want to wait, if you're not in a huge rush, once September comes around, I don't think it's going to be this crazy spike or dip or whatever, but once September comes around, you're really going to start to see it. It's really going to start to open up. Give it some time. If you're able to be patient on you know, buying a home, I think it, it may pay off for you. But if you find something in the meantime and you really want to take a gamble on it, then go for it. Because like I said, I don't see us dipping here um, in the near future. Could it happen in the next you know, two, three years, something like that? Absolutely. It's absolutely a possibility. But if you're going to live there for a while, you should be able to write it out. At the end of the day, don't get caught up in the hype. We talk about this all the time. Hype. Uh, talked about this on the last podcast episode. It, it was literally the the whole episode was about investing in hypes. Don't get caught up in the hype and make a move that you can't afford. You don't want to become house poor. Okay, it's one of the worst things that you can end up doing, and uh, it's not not the direction we want to point you to. So that's all I got for today. If you want to know more about the hype, go download the past episode. Um, hype and investments extremely important. But until then, talk to you on next time. I hope you enjoyed this episode and had a good time. If you'd like to support this podcast and our broader efforts with everything money to bring quality financial entertainment and education to the masses, then please just take five seconds to go give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts or vote for us on Spotify. You can also check out our Patreon page for more behind the scenes and go to www.everything.money for more problem-solving and life-changing information. And most of all, thanks for listening.